This is Paul McGann, the 8th Doctor. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Go and throw yourself under a bus. I didn't mean to say that. He told me to say that. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 449 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we are this close to wishing that we never loaded that Lonely Assassins game onto our phones, because we don't think we're allowed to delete it now. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. And happy Doctor Who Day. I'm Julie. 58 years is a blink on the cosmic scale. (laughs) I don't care. This week, we've resigned ourselves to using our made-up term, time bloop, quite a bit, as we are stuck somewhere in the village of the angels. So we find Claire again, seemingly sent back from present day in Chapter 1 back to 1967, where angels are starting to appear in Metterton, sending people even farther back to 1901. Our hijacked TARDIS arrives in 67 as well, and the Doctor and company immediately begin trying to save the villagers from the, the growing angel infestation. While trying to figure out why this is happening, the little lost girl Peggy, and why Claire is in the middle of this quantum extraction mystery. Everything builds to an insane crescendo as we learn that the rogue angel was taking residence in Claire's mind. A cannon-shaking revelation comes to light that the Division actually employs a squadron of angels as an extraction squad. And in a cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers, the Doctor is officially summoned back by the Division angels to return with them as an angel herself. What do you know about the Division? I was Division, as they are. As you were. No. But like you, I ran. No, 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 don't play games with me. Just tell me what I did, what I don't remember. You really think I'm gonna trust a creature like you to tell the truth? We're both trapped, Doctor. We have to trust each other. So you're telling me the Division used weeping angels as operatives to do its work? Division uses everything and everyone. Every species, every world, every moment. They are everywhere, present and unseen. Division is unstoppable. Yeah, well, I'm pretty good at stopping the unstoppable. That's why I brought you here, Doctor. Can we safely say that the creepy AF angels are officially back? As foretold. As foretold. Yeah. I mean, this was this was creepy as hell. Like that that was the one thing that I kind of came away with this after the first viewing was like, I was like, I'm glad they did the angels right finally. Yeah. This totally negates all the the hemming and well, that was a choice that happened back in like Angels Take Manhattan. 
Like, oh, Statue of Liberty, huh? Uh, that's <laughs> cute. Yeah. It was a coordinated attack a la raptors from all <laughs> angles. <laughs> They're all clever girls. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I really felt like they had a plan and were able to kind of jump with it literally through televisions and paper and fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah the, the, the burning the, angel. The, <laughs> the flaming angel was, I, I love the response. It was like, oh, nope, made it worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a great delivery on that one too. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. I, I guess, so many aspects of, of what were what was put into the angels this time around, both in their portrayal, uh, their dialogue, Mm-hmm. And we're sort of back to like the Angel Bob days of of getting into the angels' minds, kind of stuff. Um, well, minds, um, but their 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 structure, and even down to like one of the things that um, that I think little Peggy says at one point, saying that you know they they explained to me that they wouldn't hurt me again because they always want to leave one or two behind. They're cruel. Yep. I mean that that's yeah. and that's that's what we originally feared of them was that it was just completely soulless just literally life suckers well it wasn't even that like i remember the the first one it was just you were scared because there you had no defense against them aside from not blinking but it was just they were you know almost like a force of nature whereas this like it was yeah they're they're cruel they're trying to to actually you know cause that fear instead of that fear just being a byproduct of how amazing they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to accomplish what they need and they could just do that and be formidable enough. But to do that with that extra knife twist of saying, Oh, and leave a survivor behind to tell the tale. Right. And strategic survivors. So they picked them off in successive order like they could have taken Jericho earlier. They mm-hmm. chose not to until the very yeah. end. So they it was send Peggy, send the two, and then send him right there at the end. Mm-hmm. Who knows what they'll end up doing with Claire? Yeah, no, it was it was really interesting. But I I did appreciate too the 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 part at the beginning before we really knew what was going on when Claire was quote unquote possessed and her whole speech there. It I'm still wondering what relevance there was to her line that the uh, uh, the end begins again now. It's like, it was a very interesting way of phrasing that. And I'm like, I, yeah, mm. yeah. I think this angel has fought for its freedom a few times before. And this was kind of its way of say, like making that known in a mysterious way to keep Jericho there and very interested. That's possible. Right. Do, do you do we think that that rogue really? W- I mean, we, we we get the sort of the reveal that it was all sort of a ploy all along, or the plan all along was to really sort of isolate the doctor. But um, but do you think the rogue truly was a rogue at one time? And that they said, oh, think of it as like a well, you've a, you've attempted to escape prison so many times there, Mister Batty McBatterton, um, but we're going to use you as an informant now. And that's the only way that you can save I your skin. Honestly, think that Claire would have known would have said something earlier if her angel, her angel that was Quotey Fingers, yeah, yeah. had started negotiating before because she's kind of aware of what that angel is doing. So I think that it was trapped, was seriously running away, and then realized right there at the end, like, oh hey, uh. How about how about we do this swap season? I will give you the doctor who is down there, and I won't. 
fight anymore. I, I think mm. the angel was a rogue, but I think her turn started sooner. I think from the time she stole the TARDIS, her plan was to trade the doctor for herself. Right. Yeah. She, she definitely had that plan going. It just didn't get verbalized until the end. Like that's when, when Claire ran out and got basically got caught by the rest of the angels. I feel like that's when it was like, Hey, look, I've set all these things in place. How about this deal now? Yeah. And that's when Claire became aware of it. Mm. Yeah. She's like, my, my angel's been talking to these other ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the cast performances in this were, were top notch and the, the suspense thriller aspects were, were like nothing that we've seen in years. So we still have a, a bit of the, the condensed story information dumps, but the, the whole chapter feels different than the three that it came previously. Do we have any idea why that is? I, I think it felt more like the Santaran episode where there was a specific arc told in this story. Um, it's a lot more like what we're used to seeing with Doctor Who. And then there's also elements that are serving the larger storyline. I think this one, just more than the three before, did a good job of striking the balance of telling a story in this episode and also serving the larger story. I also think the pace of this episode was slower. Part of that being you had to leave some time in between where they're looking for Peggy. The jumps are within the same area so you don't have to do as much uh, like narrative or let everyone figure out where you are quickly mm -hmm. and i think that really helped to ground the story and <laughs> keeping it literally quantum locked like that made <laughs> that easier so you knew they were still in the town i think it was a really interesting choice to have the day and night shift that was cool that yeah again yeah so it you know where they are still. It's just when they are, which is a very interesting way to kind of play that dynamic. I, I will say that the the first time I watched this, I, I I came away kind of confused, obviously, but on the whole, I really enjoyed the angel story. I think that the, the idea of a rogue angel that the rest of them are hunting was a really fascinating concept. I really liked it. It was when we had the things with the division kind of pushed in there that that's when I started to scratch my head and I'm like, I'm not really sure how this plays out, that kind of thing. And on, on second viewing, that was front and foremost in my mind. So it really kind of detracted from what I felt was a good angel story otherwise. Signs of another condensation having to take what may have been a, a story Possibly. and a half and having to find yeah. ways to like well, shoehorning in the bell scene. Oh, that's right. She was yeah. in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was our Marvel shawarma. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mind the parts with bell. It was because that that's kind of a through line that's just run through the whole story and it's just, okay, well it's, yeah, let's see what's going on with her. That's fine. Uh, but the, the thing that I realized after watching this a couple times that, the, the, the problem I have is with the way that they are handling the whole division mystery. Um, the, there's not enough answers coming. It is just question after question after question. And you don't really know if you think about, um, the, the way that Loki handled the TVA. That was, I, I like that because you did get answers. You learned a little bit each time that it came up. Whereas with this, we're, we really don't know anything more than we did at the beginning aside from, oh, yeah, no, they, they use angels and they, they fought the Ravengers at one point. But we don't know anything about the, the division. So it, I wish that they handled it a little bit more effectively. 
I don't think we're going to get answers until like the last half of the sixth episode. That's going to yeah. be a heck of a crush. Yeah. Well, yep. mm-hmm. it, w- I think that is maybe the way Chris Chibnall likes to write. And so if we're kind of looking at that as he likes to sprinkle in what he thinks are major points to that kind of story, to Jay's point, like we learned that angels are involved. I agree. I don't feel like that's enough of a reveal to that's not blowing my mind. That's like, okay. Mm. And <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what else is there? And we still don't know who is in charge of the division, uh, what their purpose is, where does this fit into the doctor's story and any of that kind of stuff. So uh, all that being said, does anybody else have a theory about where Chris might be guiding us to or is this all leading up to um Haley you said kind of like last 10 minutes of the sixth episode but <laughs> yeah yeah it, I, I think that's the way that it's going to play is it it's all going to come out in the maybe the final moments of the fifth episode and then we use the sixth episode to kind of wrap things up you know deal with the the thing but hmm. it, I, I don't I, I wish that there were more of a uh, a little bit more information thrown our way so that we could you know we could enjoy the what mystery there is instead of just okay yeah it's it's more that we don't know i feel like it's a hundred piece puzzle and we just got two corners and one in the middle (laughs) yeah a bit a bit and and we don't have the box so we don't know what it's supposed to look like (laughs) right yeah to -hmm. your point julie about the fact that this is something that chibnall has sort of uh, as we said a couple of weeks ago this is something he's sort of fallen into comfort with because of his time working on broad church and series like that where it's a matter of uh you know questions everywhere you turn and it isn't until really really late in the game that you start to see um the interconnectedness of it and the real story hidden you know the 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 face behind the mask kind of thing but there are there are a number of fan theories floating um about the division some more credibility than others you know one saying that this was just the early stages of the uh, of the cia you know celestial intervention <laughs> and that it's similarly you know, similar to uh, that that the ruth doctor was basically doing an early take on what we saw the second doctor doing when he had to begrudgingly work for the cia as mm-hmm. a as a basically a, a time lord operative the the thing that it's I'm okay with the the story, you know, with, with you finding out towards the end if you're looking at the story as a whole. But when you're getting episodic content like this, you have to give the viewers something to grab onto to want to come back the next week to find out the next breadcrumb. Because if we don't know any breadcrumbs, what's the point in coming back until the very end when we can get the whole story? I mean, I have to admit, I really want to know what's going on with the doctor turning into stone and why and where that's going. So that's yes. a pretty yeah. good connector, <laughs> draw you in moment. Admittedly, yes. If that's just a transport mechanism, does that mean that <laughs> that all rogue or that all angels started out as one time being uh, you know, something uh, else summoned? But yeah. um, the, another thing that had been floating out there about the division was that this was basically the prototypes for Time Lords themselves. That this was one of their earliest sort of constructs. The angels are? No, the division itself. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, that this is like you know early, uh, early Gallifreyan power. 
structure coming into place. It was Rassilon all along. It was Rassilon all along. See, I, I was thinking, starting to think that division is supposed to be a verb and not a noun. And it's talking about that division of space and time, which we've kind of had hinted at in part three. And that's where the name mm. of the division comes from. That'd be kind of cool. That's an interesting play on words. Yeah. 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 But there's also, I mean, you, it's still going back to if you want to keep running with the, the timeless parents theory that's still floating out there. Like we've got nothing to either confirm or deny that thing other than the fact that somebody credit to whoever this guy, the, this, this uh, Twitter user was that's that looked up uh, the, the name bell B E L and looked for other historical references of it and came up with something from Babylonian culture that had to do with it. The, the term of uh, bell being used as a title it's not a name, but it's a title given to someone who is your lord or master. Oh. Okay. Which is bonkers. It's just like totally yeah. off your nuts. But, I mean, what a way to screw with fans' heads. The, the, the thing that my takeaway from this is, to all your points about the fact that the storytelling, like the way information is getting metered out, is even driving us nuts as like really hardcore analysts of everything that's happening within the story. Back to our points earlier, casual viewers are done. You're doomed. I'm sorry. Because if if they had just handed this to us as a miniseries streaming, boop, here, watch it. Here's six hours of your life. Have fun. And maybe you'll get an explanation in the sixth hour. I, I was thinking if they did something like Torchwood, where it was like a six-night event, like every night this week, you're going to get another chapter in this story. But mm -hmm. spac spacing each part a week apart is too long for this type of storytelling in this type of modern audience. And on Sundays, which <laughs> everybody's- no, that's yeah. valid. I, yeah, I'm getting Sundays ready to go to bed <laughs> when I remember, oh, there was a new episode of Doctor Who today. I guess I'm going to have to watch that tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, true. Well, yeah. while this story itself was was kind of rip-roaring fun, you know, it says the edge of your seat, mm. ooh, I'm actually, I, everybody's getting a little freaked out in the tunnel with hands all over, and are you going to be able to thread the needle? Are you going to do some sort of weird football maneuver to get around the hands and all? And it, and it was edited, you know, with this increasing tension levels and that aspect of it, great. None of this brings us any closer. You know, we remind ourselves, hey, this is chapter four of six, and yeah. we are no closer to, to some sort of clue of where the story is really headed. We have so many unresolved pieces. So given that, just today, being Doctor Who Day, hooray, 58 years, the BBC released uh, a tweet that said, okay, here's here's a little uh, blurb and, and the confirmed air dates for a New Year's Day special. Bloop, just, But the synopsis or the little thing that they have in there gives no indication that there's any flux concerns anymore. Like, oh, that story in the past. That's nothing. It's a, here's a new special for you. Which right. means that this whole thing is not only going to get answered, resolved, done, dusted, and back to equilibrium by the close of Chapter 6. How How is that even possible? Well, do they have to return everything to the way it was? Or, or a normal enough thing that the special can be a, not about the flux? But I'm thinking like what the little tidbit of, you know, next week on, we only see the companions. We wait, don't wait, ah! wait, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it. Well, because it, it, that's actually not the point I'm going to make. The point I'm going to make is we get an ad before the season starts about the doctor is missing. Uh -huh. I'm wondering if we don't even see the doctor in next week's episode. And so we don't even start getting division answers until episode six. 
Like, next week is an entirely companion adventure. And Kier's point at the end was maybe we get only the Doctor next episode, because here she goes on her own adventure. Yeah, you could do it either either way, or they do it it's where one happens, well, it'd probably be like companions next week, you know, uh, and then at so in the final minutes of that, we see that there's something that's dovetailing into what is supposed to be happening in chapter six. So the last 10 minutes of chapter six are where these two stories merge and race to the finish, answer all the questions. Everybody's happy. Yay, champagne credits. <laughs> I was going to say it's like a Stephen King no- novel. They didn't know how to wrap it up, but I don't think that the story f- so far is that level yeah. of storytelling either. So I retract my internal yeah. thought. I, I just, yeah. I don't feel like they're going to be able to satisfy a large percentage of viewers, veteran, novice, casual, anything, because of the fact that it's become so apparent that this was 10 hours of storytelling right. smashed into a six hour can. Do we know why they did six episodes instead of 10 when it seems pretty obvious that they have more than six episodes worth of story that they're trying to tell? I don't think that the story that Chibnall had developed and was prepared to to go to production with um, had ever really planned to be done in six episodes mm-hmm. or six installments. And as COVID backups to production timing and things like that and having to consolidate locations and, and actor availability and safety protocol protocols and such kept smashing it tighter and tighter and tighter from an executive decision. BBC said, no, we've got to do this in six. I don't think he had any control over that. He just had to react to it. And this is him just running it through a shredder and taking what he can this little sliver yeah. can fit right here because we had a cut scene and we'll jump to uh-huh. a completely yeah. different H- side of the Handing lines over to other characters, um, having to do things that are suddenly taken out of location and it's all done green screen because you, you simply can't. Um, mm-hmm. we, we couldn't go to that location. And exposition and information dumps that last for minutes and minutes and minutes. Yeah. And not even like, not even the information that, that we're we're expecting at this point mm. is you know we're we're getting a lot of stuff and it's like okay I I'm I'm sure that fits in somewhere but I don't have the the supporting structure to know how that's supposed to play into what I have on hand I, I'm still missing these three questions and you answered question five but I don't know how to get there from here yeah we were concerned about a Dan agenda like what is this guy doing and he has no agenda he's just kind of going along he, just, he asks a lot of questions <laughs> the doctor has yep. so many uh so many questions about the division and that is what's driving her completely and i feel like that is what the story is that they think they are trying to tell and what the story we're looking for is just entertain us and give us some good space saga. And we're not getting right. either because they're trying to do both and they're trying to bring in all of these creative ways to give information about what the doctor wants to know. But I care because I care about the doctor, but like, why should I? And they haven't given us that yet. Yeah, exactly. It's I, I- I don't mean to harp on this, but going back to Loki is that they, they gave us enough information to carry us through where you, by episode three or four, a lot of the, the goofball, wild ball kind of fan theories 
could be ruled out because no, that doesn't line up with this, that, or the other. And we could create new theories based on the information we had where now it's like everyone's just throwing stuff at the wall and we're just like, I don't know, maybe. I have nothing to disprove that. <laughs> That's can, a lot of spaghetti. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny that anybody in the world is right or wrong. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the upshot that I see from this is that I am still enjoying this. Some like sadistic part of myself is actually enjoying watching this for all of the confusion and all of the the the, the quizzical was that have you ever really do you even edit bro kind of <laughs> questions that i have for uh for chibnall and strevens but at the same time it's like the performances are solid you know I, i'm i'm mm. okay with dan um you know yeah. yaz is getting to do policey stuff and that's all great and the supporting cast in this story and was can, fantastic can we talk about eustatius jericho that guy uh, was fantastic this- I, was, I want this guy as a regular. You know, when, well, in the in the cold open with him, like I was ready to not like him. I was like, oh, it's gonna be one of those uh-huh. jerky '60s scientists. I'm gonna hate this guy. Love that yeah, guy. Exactly. I was I was expecting misogynistic kind of like you know that kind of whole just very oh, dismissive you, of everything. Yeah, you just the, got the, the hysterics, when, young woman. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the the moment of him like staring at the angels is like, you are observed. I was like, Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so in this particular case, I mean dealing uh, dealing with Kevin McNally specifically, I and I I love the fact that uh and we were saying, Oh, we noticed that the angels didn't take out Jericho. I'm like, no, because <laughs> we had to have his voiceover as the voice comes through the <laughs> He has the best, like one of the best villain voiceover uh, <laughs> I love it. it was, he's the master. Yeah, right? It was, <laughs> it was liquid. But uh-huh. he's actually, uh, he has a Whovian uh, backstory. Um, we have not gotten to this particular story yet, uh, but there is a Six mm-hmm. Doctor story noted as being quite possibly the worst Doctor Who story ever filmed in many, many people's estimations, The Twin Dilemma. Um, where he had an amazing suit that w- that in a shiny fashion nearly nearly rivaled Colin Baker's, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, a he veteran, was, as if you will. Uh, but mm-hmm. he was just fantastic. He was absolutely yeah. fantastic as Jericho. I think uh, Claire, both Claire au naturel and Claire, the mm. uh, voice of the angel, Claire, <laughs> Claire au like, angel, yeah, <laughs> avec angel. Sweet, sweet. Pas d'angel. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All of the performances with maybe the part of of Peggy, but, you know, child Um, actors. No, I didn't have a problem with little Peggy. I mean, every time you see a little girl in the show, you're always comparing it to... to It it wasn't necessarily her performance, but just more the fact that she was just exposition. Like that, that, that seemed like her whole purpose was just exposition. So it, it wasn't the performance that I had a problem with. Okay. Yeah, I, well, yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for her to be creepier or more interesting. Yeah. She got a lot more interesting when she watched her <laughs> grandfather get dusted and said, I didn't really like him anyway. Great uncle. Yes. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I mean. I was waiting for her to do more of that. <laughs> like be more yeah. creepy and. Yeah. Yeah, she's been she's been knocked back in time. You know, it takes the edge off. You're not they're not exactly the sweet little sweet little kid in pigtails anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, there were those couple of moments where before the reveal, I was like, "That's Peggy." 
Yeah, 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 you did call it. So they're yeah. still doing some of those within episodes where it's like, yeah, they answered a question. I like it. That was that made we, sense. We, had, we were trading yeah. a couple high fives back and forth. We were uh, you because I what I telegraphed. You had guessed that the angel would come asking for help, and uh, so yeah. when yeah. the angel admitted, uh, I think it was in the in the brain of yeah mm-hmm. yeah in, uh, in Claire's mind. Claire Avec Angel. <laughs> and then also, you got pretty excited over the fact that the doctor actually said contact. contact. Yes. That was a mm-hmm. great call. And that should be done every time we have to do the mind probe. Yeah. I, I will say that the one of the few things that really stood out to me that was, uh, aside from anything dealing with the division, the when the doctor put the headsets on the angels... And then, you know, something about it. it's like, oh, you're going to get a quantum headache. Reverse the polarity. Oh, yep. Well, yes. I, I love the fact that she said that. Yeah. But it, what did that do? Like, it didn't even seem like it slowed him down. We never saw the payoff of that. It was just like, oh, the doctor's doing something special so she can say reverse the polarity. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. nothing happened. I think it bought her the time to actually close the door without having to keep eyes on them and lock it. Although, but another point that you made is, why was the lock on that side? There's bolts on the <laughs> right. outside of the tunnel door. But yeah. I, I think that makes sense for someone who's trying to escape from yeah. their own home and keep people from getting Yeah, if, you're, if your house gets raided and you're trying to escape through yeah. a... Yeah. That, yeah. that is I the suppose. side the locks would be on. I guess so. <laughs> But next week, we're coming back with Chapter 5, Survivors of the Flux. So everybody that we've been talking to thus far. Uh, or maybe <laughs> no one that we've encountered yet. We don't know. Uh, all I know is that they should be calling in the band Survivor to do the score for this entire episode. We, we've I'm, I'm down. been surviving. We're going to keep on surviving. Someone wrote a song that has those I words. The tiger. No, that's different. <laughs> that's Survivor. <laughs> This has been episode 449 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next week, this is Jay saying, I'm going to find out whatever university Professor Jericho is at, and I'm enlisting in every class I can. <laughs> and this is Kier saying, Kier Hansen, triple word score. That's a great one. It's oh, I probably wouldn't allow it, though. It's a proper name. This is Julie saying, oh, what happened? Sorry, threw a cup at you. <laughs> <laughs> This is Haley saying, let's not get bogged down in the order of things. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Halsey. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Godfrey Public Radio is copyright 2021. We'll see you next week.